Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. Oscar Wilde said, everything in the world is about sex, except sex. Sex is about power. Sex and power continue to dominate the headlines, and we're still processing that along with our increasingly tenuous relationship with the truth. This is Sarah from the left. And Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsu Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Friday episode. We want to make sure that you have seen the Pantsuit Politics Gift Guide that Sarah put together on our blog. It has some recommendations from both of us, including the Instant Pot, which Sarah's mom and I like to have moments about because (laughs) we're both Instant Pot fanatics. So uh, you can check out our recommendations for good gifts. We also are so tremendously grateful for the beautiful reactions to the nuanced life that many of you have had. Thank you so much for your support and encouragement, your ratings and reviews. We would love to be 
climbing the charts in iTunes in a different category so that we can continue to build our community. So thank you so much for that. If you haven't checked out The Nuanced Life, you can go to thenuancelife.com or find us in any podcast player except Spotify. We're not up there quite yet. And then also want to encourage you to check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics. Um, you can also contact me if you're interested in having us come to your organization or university to do some speaking in 2018. So why do I feel like we start every podcast like that? I don't know what else to do, though. It's There's so much, so, so much right now. We were talking before we started recording. We both have two and a half year olds. And Sarah was telling me about how two and a half is a period of disequilibrium in the body. And we think that might be where we are as a country. Our two and a half year olds are just unhappy with everything and disagreeable just disagreeable and refusing to accept the reality that i cannot produce lemonade instantaneously on demand and that seems to be where america's at just upset and disagreeable yes ellen uh laid down in my kitchen floor this morning because her dress did not twirl as she wanted it to and i couldn't really argue with her because when I look at the headlines, I just want to lay down on the floor as well. Because it's exasperation. That's what I feel. I feel exasperation. Just like how many times in the last week, how many times in the next week am I going to say, what is wrong with him? What is wrong with them? How could somebody possibly make the argument, as someone did in The Federalist, that you should definitely vote for Roy Moore because marrying teenage girls is a thing people have been doing forever. What's the big deal? Um, all of this is related, right? You can't parse issues out at this point. And so when I read this piece from The Federalist, making the case that you're always voting for the lesser of two evils, and Roy Moore is clearly the lesser of two evils because Doug Jones supports unfettered access to abortion. Oh my God. When I read that, as a woman... What I hear is, listen, everybody, we still know best, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We still know best. And I know that the world is being upended right now by all the, d- the damage that we've done by thinking that we know best, but we still do. So just pipe down. Oh, my God. And it infuriates me. It really does. I feel like particularly with regards to the president, it is trust me, even though I lie, trust me, even though I do things that we all acknowledge presidents shouldn't do. Just again, I got this. I still know best. I read this really great piece in the Washington Post. Trump veers past guardrails, feeling impervious to the uproar he causes. Again and again, Trump veered far past the guardrails of presidential behavior. But despite the now routine condemnations, the president is acting emboldened as if he were impervious to the uproar he causes. If there are consequences for his actions, Trump does not seem to feel their burden personally. The Republican tax bill appears on track for passage, putting the president on the cusp of his first major legislative achievement. Trump himself remains the highest profile man accused of sexual improprieties to keep his job with no repercussions. Okay, so let me piece this apart. Here Here are the things I've thought or the things he's done where I've said, what is wrong with him? Okay. The Pocahontas comment about Elizabeth Warren in front, in front of World War II Navajo code breakers. I don't even know what to say. The 
defending Roy Moore under he says it didn't happen. The now implying that maybe the Access Hollywood tape, something he's already apologized for, maybe wasn't him. The my favorite is I just happened to read together the article about how over Thanksgiving, I believe we spent, I don't know, did you see the, the amount we spent on golf carts? The taxpayers paid the Secret Service to rent Trump property golf carts. I believe it was $16,000, over $100,000 at this point. $16,000, maybe not that big of a deal in the federal budget. But just seeing it in conjunction with him standing up and bragging, and might I add, lying about how this tax plan is going to help the middle class and saying, well, they're going to get, the average American's going to get $4,000 a year. And I thought, really? One-fourth of what we paid to you over Thanksgiving for some freaking golf carts. How generous. I mean, just all these things together. And the fact that, you know what? I didn't know anything about British First. I didn't know their name. I didn't know their hateful, disgusting messages. And now, because of the President of the United States, everybody does. And that makes me so furious. And he just gets worse and worse and worse. And there are zero consequences. And I have to wonder, I told Beth this, that there seems to be a narrative coming from men that I hope will protect women in part from a backlash I'm sure is coming, which is how come everybody else is getting fired, but he's still there? Because he did actively brag about sexually assaulting women, and then several, several women have come forward and talked about how he groped them, kissed them without their permission, basically assaulted them, and he is still president of the United States, and then everybody else is falling like dominoes. I feel like he was more presidential on The Apprentice than he is as president. Legitimately. I really do feel like that. I watched a season of The Apprentice. He wasn't a buffoon going around insulting people and just tearing things down to tear them down. I don't understand. I've been thinking a lot about power because one of the things that has kind of made my skin crawl this week as we've learned more about Matt Lauer, I keep hearing... Don't even get me started on Matt Lauer. I do want to get you started on Matt Lauer, but let me say this first. (laughs) I keep hearing people make the comment that Matt Lauer is the most powerful man at NBC News. Have you heard people say that over and over? He's the most powerful man at NBC News. And I've been thinking about what that means. And I've been thinking about the power that the president feels and exercises and the power of his Twitter platform, the power of our senators and the power that they choose not to exercise right now. I think that overall, can I just be really honest for a second? And I don't want to offend anyone who is of this generation. I'm struggling with baby boomers and their relationship to power. Mm. I'm struggling with the idea that even though we're all humans and adults, some people wield such influence over others Mm -hmm. that they are untouchable. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be what's happening right now. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I respect the office of the presidency very, very much. I also believe the president is just a person and and that being president is a job and that if you cannot do your job responsibly, you should lose it. I... I know that we are in a very tumultuous time for our country. I don't think that means just acquiescing to our existing structures, though. And I feel like that's so much of what's happening and why 
people like Matt Lauer have been allowed to stay in positions and and just ascend. I mean, the thing is, you are always either challenging or contributing to power. That's what Mm -hmm. we need to understand. What your actions in your company, in your community, in our United States of America altogether, we are always either challenging or contributing to power. And I don't think power in and of itself is a terrible thing, but I do think we have lost any semblance of perspective on what power should mean. Yes, I have heard people describe Matt Lauer that. And I think that's probably not far from the truth because people were clearly totally and completely terrified to confront him or say anything at all. And, you know, the reason I... I have some personal issues with Matt Lauer, first of all. The t- tomorrow, or the day this episode comes out, December 1st, marks the 20th anniversary of the shooting at my high school, which is a sort of a heavy emotional event. And, you know, he was so ugly to my principal during this event. He kept wanting to ask um, President or President Principal Bond about... Michael Carnell, the shooter, and he kept saying, he's not a student here, we can't talk. And he just kept on and kept on and kept on until the, my principal was like, I'm going to end this interview if you ask me about him one more time. Like, this is a man who just sat beside bleeding students, watched students be killed in his hallway, and you're harassing him on live TV. So, never liked Matt Lauer. And I say that only because I'm sure I'm not the only one who's had a personal tragic news event in which Matt Lauer exploited and acted like a dick during. He was so smug and so terrible. We all watched a parade of wonderful, highly qualified women come in and leave. Katie Couric, Meredith Vieira, um, and infamously, Ann Curry, Tamron Hall, Natalie Morales, and like, look, I like Savannah Guthrie. I think she handles herself beautifully. But, girlfriend, with love, you saw all them come and go. How could you be this shocked? We, I mean, you were there every day. You saw how he behaved with people. I'm assuming you saw that terrible interview with Anne Hathaway. Like, when you're talking about acquiesce or challenge, I think it also speaks to how powerful he was that these women came and got, they came and went, and they came and went, and they came and went. And so, like, if you're an intern or you're a producer and Katie Kirk leaves, like, what do you, what do you think is going to happen to you? And I'm not saying Katie Kirk left just because of Matt Lauer, although I believe that was probably part of it. And so when these men get away with it over and over and over again, Bill Cosby serially raped, drugged and raped women for three decades, and everyone knew, knew enough that a comedian made a joke about it. Like, what does that say about us? What does that say about how we do treat power and how we do treat powerful men? And it's just the disequilibrium I think we feel and the frustration and exasperation is that simultaneously the ground is shifting in major ways around underneath our feet with Matt Lauer and Garrison Keillor and all these men in in the media watching them, you know, watching this ground shift while simultaneously men in politics go untouched. So it's just this schizophrenic situation in which we have all this change and feeling like something's happened while simultaneously a admitted sexual assaulter is up there saying, yeah, you should definitely still vote for the guy who preyed on 14-year-old girls when he was in his 30s. You should definitely do that. It is crazy making in the purest sense of the word. 
And it all matters because the way that we revere someone like Matt Lauer influences the way we talk about the third shift restaurant manager Mm -hmm. and the retail manager. You know, there are people out there wielding power over others. And the way we talk about power in the public domain absolutely influences the way we feel about power in the private domain. It is well documented in Pantsy Politics that I do not like authority. (laughs) It is a hardwired personality trait of mine that I do not like authority. So I bristle at the notion that someone says a name and I should be like shaken in my boots because I just think this is another person. Okay. And this person may have a certain title and may have a certain amount of influence, but ultimately we're all just people. And so I really struggle with the idea that Matt Lauer was so powerful that no one could challenge this, but that's, that's what we've built for ourselves. And we keep perpetuating it, especially when we don't hold our politicians accountable for this behavior. And I understand when people like my husband, who I love dearly, say, this feels like a lot, Beth. You know, NBC fired him really fast. What It just Whatever. feels like a lot. And, and Chad said... Should have fired him two decades ago. <laughs> you know, Chad said, I feel like there's so much pressure right now that even if Mr. Rogers was accused of something, Mr. Rogers would be fired. And I said, right, because even Mr. Rogers could be doing this. And that is the Mm -hmm. point. And that's the horrible, heartbreaking truth of it all. But that's not new truth because a lot of us are living that every single day in our workplaces. What's new is just that we're talking about it and we're asking each other to make it mean something. So I think that the difficulty for all of us is we like to say that we live in America, land of the free, home of the brave, where all men are created equal. But we do not value groups equally. And I spend a lot of time thinking as a mother of small children how for decades we allowed systematic and massive abuses, sexual and physical, of children in the Catholic Church, but in many other institutions. Going through even to Penn State, where there were adults who knew that children were being raped by other adults and they did nothing. Okay. So I think that this is true in this situation. I think it's true when you talk about how how did other adults let something like the Holocaust happen The truth is we want to think we value each other equally, and we don't. During that time of history, for better or for worse, children were not valued the way that they are now and still are not valued enough. Let me be abundantly clear about that. There are still – we like to say we value children, but we really don't. They're about to let the CHIP program expire. That's how much we value children. Or it already has expired, actually. And so I think the reality is we valued these men more than we valued the women that they were abusing. And for a long time and still value men more than women. We don't think we do, but we do. And I really think, you know, I am a student of celebrity culture. I really am. I love celebrities. I think it is a fascinating study of our social structures and our culture. I think the reason that Harvey, the Harvey Weinstein scandal changed everything is because they weren't just women 
They were celebrities, and we value celebrity above all else. And so when it's it's one thing when it's a nameless woman accusing Matt Lauer, and we're all like, I don't know. But when it's Ashley Judd, we all like Ashley Judd. We know Ashley Judd. When it's Annabella Sciorra, and we loved what the hand that rocks the cradles. Oh yeah, I really liked her. Or it's Gwyneth Paltrow, and it's Angelina Jolie. Then it's a group that has that's value exceeds the value we place on men generally. And I honestly believe that's a huge part of this. I think it's a huge part. The, the our value we place on celebrity is a huge reason that Donald Trump gets away with what he gets away with. And you know, I think that we all have to ask ourselves real hard questions about. Which groups do we value and why? And is it fair? And is it helping us? Like, not to quote Dr. Phil, but like, is it working for us? Is it working really well? Do we feel like intimidating and pushing a massive amount of women out of the workplace is sitting us in a situation as a society where we're really well suited to tackle the problems of the 21st century? I don't think we are. I think we're fighting with one hand behind our back. Like I always quote Sister Joan. Which groups do we value and why? I mean, that's to to me, that's the question. Well, that's the whole point of this Federalist article that is being so widely discussed this morning as we record. This author values the unborn more Mm -hmm. than the feelings of American women and specifically the women who have described their experiences with Roy Moore. And why is it so easy for men to value the unborn more than than born women? I think there are some interesting questions there. The answers to me feel like, because at that moment, the child still feels like a direct extension of the man's physicality. Mm. And because the child poses absolutely no threat whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And when I start to think about power, and look, I'm not saying this about individual men, okay? I, I know how I can feel like the discomfort (laughs) and, and I get it. I don't think men are evil. I do think it is time for women to be equal. And it feels to me like every time I have a discussion about equalizing the playing field between men and women, what men hear is men are terrible pigs and you want to take everything away from us. Yep. That's not what I mean. And like, I'm just, I'm tearing up again. Why is that such a freaking controversial statement? Why do we have to give so many allowances before we say, I don't think you're evil. I just want to be treated like an equal. Why is that so hard? Because of millennia of not doing that, right? It's And it's, I imagine that we could shed an equal number of tears on behalf of all marginalized people. I I can imagine that African-American listeners might feel, why is it so, why do white people act like I'm asking you to lose something when I'm just saying I want to be treated equally, you know? And they're right. And they're right. And so this moment, I hope, can be more, can be about more than about gender dynamics and really be a moment when we say, look, all of us need to sit beside each other going forward. And that's all we're asking for. Let's just sit beside each other. And sitting beside each other means that some people are going to have to lose these positions of power uh, that is untouchable. Because a society can't move forward with those untouchable figures. Truly, no institution or organization can. If you have built any kind of collective, 
that so depends on one person's glorification, then it's not really a it collective. It is not a collective and it is going to fail. Yeah, I mean, to me, I'm just a marketer to my core, too. Like, I just want to say, like, look, you don't even have to let us at the table because you think we deserve it. You need to let us at the table because you will be better off. Let us prove to you that solutions that come from diverse perspectives are better solutions. You'll be better off. You, the, the, I know that sh- human beings have a hard time with short-term consequences versus long-term gain. But, like, dang, lo- look around you. How's the long-term gain like, how is the sacrifice everything for short-term consequences played out? Like, do you think that we're really well-situated right now? Because I don't. I mean, I know that the economy, the stock market's growing and, and everything's great. And President Trump is the most productive president in the history of presidents. But, like, for real? With North Korea launching missiles that can reach the United States? Everybody feel good about where we're at? Let's talk for a second about the economy because Republicans have told us this week that everything we've ever known about this tax plan could be off the table as they're negotiating something, anything that can pass by the end of the week, which I think is enormously irresponsible. What I want to say that I don't think we've said before, I am concerned about the president beating the economic drum. I'm concerned about what the stock market's doing. I'm concerned about this tax plan because let's say it passes. I think that a lot of economic optimism in the business sector is about this tax plan passing. Aren't we going to create another bubble? Like, isn't that what we're cruising toward right now? Another mm-hmm. another bubble. And the bubbles keep affecting fewer and fewer people in some senses. Fewer yeah, people at the top. benefit That's what I was from them. But then in the aggregate, they do more damage, right? The benefit is closing in, but the fallout is spreading out mm-hmm. of these economic bubbles. No one knows what the president's next legislative priority is going to be, but it's very hard to imagine that it won't involve spending more money. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality but not salon-priced manicure, Olive & June has you covered. We've talked about Olive & June's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box. Salon-grade tools. Your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are going to last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive & June also has press-ons if you want. What I love, though, 
is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. And they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsu for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash pantsy and so i'm just concerned on a very very basic level that we don't understand how significantly our economy is about to be impacted by this vote i mean i feel like we kind of do though we know the cycle like this is what happens okay so and I'm gonna get, about to get real partisan up in here, and I apologize. But I do feel like if you zoom way out, the Democrats come into office, leave with a great economy, the Republicans come out to office, and they tank it based on less regulations and tax cuts and benefiting the people at the top. And the people at the top just keep pushing for it because they don't really suffer the long-term consequences. Their pensions don't get wiped out with a stock market crash, do they? I'm not saying that's very nuanced. I just feel like that's what happens. I mean, that's certainly... A reasonable conclusion from the past 30 years. Yeah, I mean, my lifetime, that's what happened. Again, zooming way out, what's the objective long-term? Is there a long-term Republican objective at this point? For me, the the long-term objective is always, again, like restraining power, right? Mm-hmm. Making sure that we are careful about what our federal government is doing and becoming and limiting that government to its proper role. That has nothing to do with this tax plan. And then we don't know what the next step is for the president. Our foreign policy seems to adhere currently to no ideology. You know, Lindsey Graham's statements about North Korea, I think, were troubling on a level that it's hard for me to put into words because I think Lindsey Graham, who typically is at least well-versed in foreign policy issues, practically invited a war with North Korea. And I'm not sure any of us have an understanding of what that could look like. 
So what is the long-term objective here? And, and I just don't know. I mean, we've talked before about how all of us would benefit from a vision for America. And right now, the, the only vision that seems to be halfway baked from this administration is the worst caricature of itself, is the, is the retweeting of anti-Muslim videos that are false, is the dismissal of CNN as a news organization and constant propping up of Fox News. If you're participating in that, and I do think this tax plan now is an invitation to participate in that more than anything else, I think that's what it symbolizes. <sighs> I don't know, it just takes me to Lindy West's column in the New York Times today about how the word for this year is complicit. I don't want to be the Tea Party, burn it to the ground opposition. I don't want to be a wrecker, like the poem that they talk about in the John Boehner article. It's just, how could you not want to wreck it when all that's exposed is this craven desire to protect your own power and your own wealth at all costs, no matter who it hurts? How can my how can my natural emotional response not be tear it down? I have that impulse right now about all these power structures. I do. Yeah. I I sort of look at the landscape and think I want this to be rebuilt by people who are not interested in amassing this kind of authority over others, who are just interested in advancing goals. Maybe I wouldn't feel so like this sort of revulsion at being in the same class as the Tea Party, but like they didn't stand anything. You're voting for a you were supposed to be the people that didn't that want to do, you know, reign in the government and forget the government spending. And you're voting for something that's going to increase the deficit. Right. But like a lot. So what happened to your ideas? Because if it was about ideas, that would have been fine. I disagreed with them. But I do believe that it was more, you know, Given some space and some breathing room, I do feel like some of the Tea Party was about more than just reaction to Obama being a black president. I think that was some of it. But I think there was some frustration with the W George W. Bush administration as well. And so, like, but now it's just, yeah, cool, just increase the deficit. It's fine. It's so frustrating. Yeah, it is frustrating. It's frustrating for me to listen to anyone who I've respected in the Republican Party speak because all I hear is it's just rationalization. It's just rationalization. Yeah, it's just, I mean, that's yeah. what this Federalist piece really comes down to. It's saying everything is relative except abortion, which is absolute. And here's my, I think that your instinct is not wrong about like the purest extension zone. There's nothing on the line. Um, but I also think that the rationalization of, I think abortion is a source of power. It is a source of political power. And I think that when we're talking about short-term consequences and long-term gain, many within the Republican Party recognize it as a source of enormous political power over the last several decades. And they're willing, they have to stick to it at all costs. I'm not saying that's everyone who's pro-life. Obviously, no. I think some, many, 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 many people feel passionately about the issue. And that's fine. This is not what this is. I think this is, no, we're not, we're, we got to keep this because it's the one thing that we know. What, it's, it's, our, it's our Trump card, right? 
it's our got to vote for us at all costs because the, because of this. I don't think this the dude that wrote the Federalist this piece has, gives two craps about the unborn. If I'm being honest, I think it's about protecting their source of political capital in service of what winning. And I think that's what it is, right? It's all in service mm-hmm. of power. That is all yep. it's about at this point. And it's like, it's so, cra- and it, that's why it's so infuriating. Cause when you say for what they don't have an answer, that's why they can't get anything done. There wasn't a vision. It was power for power's sake, power to get more money in our donors hands. We, we hear it every day. It's not like I'm being unfair. You hear it. All, our donors have told us if we don't do this, don't come back, which means what, which means, we have to do something because the people who give us money won't give us money anymore. Right? I mean, I'm not misreading this. It's in every mainstream media account of this tax reform legislation. That's right. So there was no vision. There is no, There are no ideas. It's power for power's sake. And look, the Democratic Party is not perfect. And President Obama was not perfect. But there was an, th- there was at least a vision, which was health care. we got to fix health care. They got in there and they took hits and they did it. Now, I'm not sure where the vision is after that. We're, we're, we're struggling. But at least there was something, anything. Jeez. We're kind of all over the place because I think the world is all the world over the is place. All over the place. It is disequilibrium. It is our toddlers in the floor. And we've got a little bit of that feeling right now, too. And I maybe that's just necessary because bringing yep. it back around to the kids, this dis- disequilibrium happens because they're growing. And hopefully our national disequilibrium is happening because we're growing. All right. Next up, we're going to share some feedback from our listeners. We received an overwhelming amount of feedback to Tuesday's episode, which we really appreciate. And I also want to say thank you to everyone who's been patient with us in responding to emails, tweets, and Facebook messages because there are only so many hours in the day. We will get there. We will respond. But we just are working our way through the the backlog. We wanted to mention a couple of specific pieces of feedback today. But overall, just to thank you all for being so open and receptive to what we had to say on Tuesday. Rebecca left us a voice message that's fantastic. It's interesting that you talk about how men have never discussed their sexuality before and how they are so confused at the current conversation and just uncomfortable and like, just give me, give me a solution. Give me an answer. I don't want to sort of wade through the murky waters of the complexities of this situation. And it's It's funny because on so many levels, women are going, this is what we have always done. This is like my life. This is what I was born into. These are the first things I learned was to handle having a complicated role in society, constantly changing emotional landscape, constantly changing social landscape, um, having this constantly evolving sexuality and sexual identity and like this is shit that is just every day for women and then for men they're like oh my god I can't deal with this and so it's funny and it's also it wraps back around to you saying like hey uh straight cis men not just not necessarily that they should take a step back I mean they should definitely try to hand the microphone over to women 
um, or, you know, people of female identity. But also, you were talking about listen more than you talk. And not just because women have been shut up for so long, silenced for so long, but because they come to you going, just give me an answer, give me a solution. I can't handle how squirmy and uncomfortable this is. And in that regard, they should definitely listen to women because squirmy and uncomfortable is like our baseline. It's our default. We're always in a changing environment. We're always having to question our roles. We always have to be, you know, everyone says, like, women have to be everything to everyone. Women are more self-critical than men. They tend to be more self-reflective. And it's funny, another, all of it's funny. Another thing that's kind of ironic is that there's this whole thing about how men get to talk about sex all the time, but women don't. So we've been oppressed in that way. But then when women do talk about sex, they talk about their sexuality and their sexual identity and their sexual role and their sexual development. And it's all this kind of deep, uh, colorful stuff. But then when men, this whole thing, we're like, well, men have dominated the conversation on sex, but at the same time, they haven't been talking about anything except for who's getting laid. So they've been dominating the conversation, but they've never really been able to have a conversation. And that's so ironic and contradictory. Um, yeah, so I just, I thought that was really a, a really neat perspective that you guys brought up. And it's funny for men to come out and go like, oh, I can't stand this. And for us to go, welcome to my world, baby. This is how it is all the time. Okay, that's all. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. 
leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy Filtered Showerhead is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze. And its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy Filtered Showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code Pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. Sarah, I imagined you nodding your head furiously throughout Rebecca's message. Absolutely. And I think that it pairs nicely with this message that we received from Ben, who said, I guess I would say that I've been asking these same questions for a long time, and it confuses and disheartens me that men are so uncomfortable talking about something so fundamental. Growing up, I felt horribly guilty about the fact of my sexuality, which confused my relationships with women for years. I didn't understand myself because I had no one to teach me or even discuss with me what it means to be attracted, attractive to someone, whether our societal constructions of gender and sex are even accurate, and so on. Collectively, it seems like we men are ostriches with our heads buried in the sand, being slowly eaten alive by the monstrosity we create, but refusing to actually look at what's killing us because we imagine that we that might be more uncomfortable than what we're already going through. We could have so much better relationships and lives if we were willing to examine the limitations we place on ourselves. How can we possibly be comfortable in our own skin if we don't understand or are even aware of our own narratives about ourselves? Ben... Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's why I think you say, Sarah, um, your life would be better if you let us come to the table, too. Yeah. Because it is painful for everybody that we have created this system where men are in charge of everything while examining nothing. Here's the thing. Look, I... I really loved Beth Wright's reflections on our shows um, and our the patrons midweek. So you should get a patron just to get her reflections because they're really good. And she said, you know, I don't understand. When I say I don't understand something because of my whiteness or my heterosexuality, I don't feel like I'm losing anything. But I think part of this is what I talk about a lot, which is we teach men to take, we teach women to give. And giving is a hard thing. And giving is something that until you do it repeatedly, you don't understand how it makes you better, right? It has to, you have to have practice. It has to be the, like the first time you give, you're like, ah, oh, so scared. And then it just becomes second nature. And you're like, I'm almost always made better by giving. And 
But we don't let men experience that. We don't let them get the practice to know that, oh, no, actually inviting someone else to the table usually makes it better. Because we've taught them, take, take, take. If you're not taking, you're losing. I mean, that's literally what our president says. And so they don't get any practice. They don't understand that things get better when you give. And I will say on the other side of this gender dynamic, uh, Lenny Letter had a really great thing, which is we teach women to give until they're dead. And the other side of that the gender dynamic is also women are lessened because they never get any opportunity to take. We never tell them to take and see like, it's okay to take. Everyone's not going to hate you. Like we don't, neither of us get enough practice at this skill. And I think for men, they would say, well, yes, we do, but it's because it's always transactional. It's because when Mm -hmm. you give, you also get. Mm -hmm. And the kind of giving that you're talking about as women is giving without getting. It's giving just to give in the short term and in the long term being enriched by having given. And we would all also be a lot healthier if we would learn to take without also giving sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So isolating Mm -hmm. those out as part of the fabric of relationships instead of creating them as individual transactions, that's what we need to practice both genders in different ways. And I think we just created the trailer for the next episode of The Nuance Life. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a good discussion to explore more in terms of relationships. I wanted to also say, uh, Dante tweeted about this. So did a lot of other people. Um, My comment about men writing to us to instruct and how women write as invitations. And and Dante said that he feels like his writing just changed forever. And I want to say that I appreciate that. Because when I made that comment, I did have a lot of anxiety after the episode about having said something that is so directly critical of men and that can so easily be personalized. So just thank you for being open to that, because I feel like those are the kinds of hard conversations that we have to have in order to move things forward. And as much as I value the work of Rebecca Traster and the conversations that are happening in Hollywood and in the media right now, I do think that it's almost more valuable when those of us who are not in the spotlights are doing this kind of really painful personal work of talking about, gosh, you know, in every email, something happens can we be a little bit more intentional about that? That's so different from Harvey Weinstein, um, but they're connected. Well, and here's the thing, too. Um, one of our listeners retweeted this amazing comment from Linda Holmes that I then shared on our social media channels. And I thought it was like a direct follow-up to the invitation versus instruction. And she said, quote, in quotation marks, this is how I feel. Is not another way to say, what do you think I should do next about the way I feel? Just in case that's not entirely clear. And when I read that, I was like, preach it Linda Holmes preach it because that's it like it's the I'm just sharing I'm just giving to give no need to make this transactional and then Sarah you received lots and lots of responses to having discussed the fact that the experience of being a woman is is one of constantly being told that you perceived something wrongly and that it's so liberating to have all women gathering together to say no you didn't no Mm -mm. No. And I, I I think I got so upset in that episode because I had not really articulated that fully to 
Oh, I'm going to cry again. To myself until then, which is, yeah, it, it, I feel like my entire life people, and let me be clear, including other women, were telling me, you're not being treated unfairly because you're a girl. You're not. That's wrong. Or what I heard a lot from other women was, that's just the way it is. Deal with it. And my never-ending supply of righteous fury is based on personality or based on who knows what, I have a deep reaction to unfairness, just a deep-seated reaction, emotional and otherwise, to being treated unfairly. And so to either be told, you're wrong, you didn't see that right or correctly, or, yep, you're right, you're being treated unfairly, just suck it up and deal with it. You should, you know what? It's just really never set right with me. <laughs> I just don't like it. I don't like it. And I don't want it to be that way. And that's why when you say, we're not calling you evil, we just want to be treated equally, I sort of burst into tears. And I burst into tears at the end of Rebecca Tracer's every article because I just want to be like, yeah, why is this so much to ask? I don't want to have to either swallow the unfairness or convince myself it didn't happen. And clearly, I'm not alone in that based on the reaction to the episode, which is sort of what I was speaking to to begin with. It's an amazing feeling. It's an amazing feeling to have these women surrounding you going, nope, nope, not only is that unfair, you're right, it's unfair, and we're not going to stand for it anymore. It's amazing. And everybody's feedback, knowing y'all were in your homes or in your cars or on your walks with your dog, crying along with me was just really, really great. It reminds me of my favorite question that we talked about a couple of episodes ago where someone asked me about the podcast what made you think that people would care what you have to say? And I loved, loved, loved that question because I think that's the question that women ask ourselves all the time. And we ask it before we speak up in a meeting and we ask it before we apply for a job where we think we might not be qualified for the job. And we ask it before we write something and publish it. And I think that our lives are a lot about what, what makes any, what makes me valuable And I don't know that that's a question that men ask themselves in the same way. I am sure that there is an aspect of being alive just as a person of of any gender that makes you think, why am I here and what am I supposed to do? I wonder if it is as deeply embedded for men as it is for women. And my sense is that it's not. But maybe to wrap up, I wanted to share along that line Uh, Yesterday, I let the people that I've worked with for 11 years know that at the end of the year, I am leaving my job because I want to focus on pantsuit politics and the nuanced life and the work that Sarah and I are doing together and some personal coaching work. So get ready for all the primers in 2018. We're going to research everything, talk about it. I'm really, really excited. I'm scared. I'm also very excited. And I got the most wonderful message from a partner in the law firm in response to my note that said, despite our firm and my personal loss, I think it is absolutely wonderful that these will be the next steps in your life. Nurture this venture and yourself to be more every day. If it or you become stale, reinvent it to serve purpose. If it becomes the wrong Mm. vehicle, don't be afraid to find the next. You are a wholly capable, God-breathed human being. Don't hold yourself back. I think that that kind of encouragement and support to every woman is what we need right now in the United States. How are you reading Don't Hold Yourself Back Without Crying? I'm crying. Don't hold yourself back is the most lovely thing I've ever heard. Isn't it the most lovely thing you've ever heard? And it, and that's I think that that's the invitation right now for women across America 
Don't hold yourself back. Tell the story of you being wronged. Yes. Don't let that be the end of it, though. Don't hold Mm -hmm. yourself back from starting your company, running for office, making the change that you want to change in your life. Don't hold yourself back from speaking your truth in whatever context because the world needs it. Mm. And in that way, I say to Ellen and Felix, our two and a half year olds, have your (laughs) fit on the floor because it's part (laughs) of your growth. Amen. Amen to that. May we all survive our tantrums to levels of new growth in 2018. That's going to be my cheer, my my toast on New Cheers Year's Cheers to disequilibrium. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for another episode. We will be back with you on Tuesday here and on Wednesday on the Nuance Life next week. Until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Bye.